the Epistle of Jude, and um, I'm hoping to finish it today, actually, so that we can go into our study of the whole armor of God, what the armor of God is. We we need to look into that armor deeply, one piece at a time, because this is um, what we have to defend us. This is what we have to protect us from the wiles of the devil, which is what... Um, Paul exhorted, he said, put on the whole, the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, having done all things, <clears throat> standing tall in the power of God, we will be able to take our stand against the evil one and his schemes and thereby stand. And we need to be standing. We we cannot. We are in a battlefield. As Christians, we are in a battlefield. We are going to be in this battle until we leave this world. We are here as soldiers for Christ. So if we find yourself sitting or lying down in this battle, you are, you've got problems. And sadly, what I see around me is not just uh, Christians sitting down in comfort or, or lying down even, but they're actually lying in the embrace of Satan himself. Oh yes, the church today generally is lying in a filthy embrace with Satan himself, because what we what we have today that we call church predominantly is a travesty to the very very word church, and really, if we want to know what to do as believers, I believe we we need to go back. Let's go back into the scriptures and see what was done when the church was established. See how the Christians were. See what the teachings were. See what the doctrines were. A different agenda has come in, whereby the church we have today is no more than social clubs. That's all it is. Social clubs, social networking. The church has changed its agenda. People come up with all kinds of fancy ideas and fancy things to attract people and keep people in and make people more interested and make people <clears throat> and gather crowds, you know, and keep the people entertained. Church is not an entertainment forum. It's not where we go to get amused. It's not where we go to to, to be entertained whereby we have to come up with all kinds of flash worldly ideas in what is supposed to be the gathering of those followers of Christ Jesus and amuse ourselves and entertain ourselves and we delve into all kinds of issues that if we actually were walking with Christ as we ought to, these issues would be taken care of because there is no aspect of life that is not covered in Scripture. So personally, I do not see why we have all kinds of uh, social arrangements in church now. We have the singles club, we have the married men's club, we have the young business entrepreneurs club, and all this nonsense. Uh, to, To me, they're all nonsense. I'm sorry, these things are not meant for the church. We can do all that outside of the church. We can do these other things the world does anyway. The world, their business schools and business seminars and everything you can go to if you want to know how to run a business well. That's not what we come to church to do. Church is there for us to come together as followers of Christ to share the word, to break bread. This is what was done in the early church. This is what was done through several centuries. Quite honestly, everything until the 20th century. I think things really went totally pear-shaped, absolutely bananas in the 20, from the 20th century onwards. The church is where we come to learn how to walk with God. To learn the work and the word of God, the will of God, and to encourage each other and to communicate as children of God, this is what we all there. This is what the church is for. And you know what? It's it's where we come to learn how to stand in the battle with Satan, who is in battle with us. 
is in battle with us. It will always be in battle with us for the simple reason that this is his territory. And there will never come a time when all that is over and done with and we can ju- we can then, you know, uh, concentrate on other things whereby we start holding singles conferences and, and, and youth clubs and all those things because we, we're done with the issue of, of, um, of righteousness, of seeking the kingdom of God. We'll never be done with that. As long as we're breathing, we will continue because with each day when we wake up, we face temptation, we face trials, we face tribulations. We need to be able to stand. There, the early Christians... If you ever do uh, study the um, early church and the martyrs and the Christians in in the earlier centuries, and or talking about early centuries, this thing went on right through even the 1500s and 1600s. People were still being killed just for professing Christianity. They were not miracle-seeking, miracle-hungry, financial breakthrough-searching people. These people, for the, for the simple reason that they were called Christians, were being burnt alive, were being scourged, were being tortured in very many ways. I mean, unthinkable was they were killed in the most gruesome, most evil manner. When a mother and father are standing there watching their children being slowly tortured, having their skin ripped off of them and their eyes gouged out and then their heads cut off and they're still adamant that they are Christians. Neither the children being tortured nor the parents watching the torment were saying, you know, denied Christ. They carried on until the death and they were all killed. And this is this is just one example very many examples like that people entire families lost entire generations killed because simply for bearing the name of jesus simply for being christians do you think those people were concerned about healing do you think they were concerned about financial breakthrough do you think they were concerned about being married or being single or do you think they were mattered to them whether they had children or not do you think they were concerned about running their businesses and 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 um, one one hundred ways to be a millionaire and fifty ways to to change your destiny? You think they were concerned about that? Now that's what Christianity is. We are not saved for this present world. We're not. We are saved for the world that is to come, the promise of God, for eternal life, not this life. You want to be a part of this? I mean, today's Christians love this world so much. Many cannot even give up one meal, a day's meal for Christ. No, because every time they come together in church, every time they get, in the, uh, get on their knees in, in what is supposed to be prayer, they're only badgering God for more and more and more. Never go before God and just say, just thank you for all you've done. I don't need anything from you today, but just give me enough grace to, grace to leave one day at a time. I just want to thank you. No, they say thanks. Well, they're led to say thanks so that they can get more. Not just thanks, share for the pleasure of it in appreciation of what the Lord has done. They want more. Discontent. Christianity of discontent is what I call what is taught today. You know, they just want more. They just want more. Do you think that's how the... We don't read anywhere in scripture that that was what the apostles taught or that was what the Christians practiced. Wanting more all the time from God. All the teachers in the epistles were teaching, were training us in how to be Christians. 
And that is a lifelong thing. That is the sole purpose of the church, is to make people realize their sinfulness, their evil, bring people to repentance, and then bring them to maturity in Christ so that they can serve Christ with their lives. Because that is the reason we're put here. We're saved by grace, that we may do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 That's what we're here for. And that's what we're supposed to bring people up to do. Those of us who are gifted of God to teach and to preach, that is our sole responsibility. I don't care how you run your business. If you've got the fear of God in you and you've got God behind you, he blesses the works of your hands. It doesn't matter to me whether you're single or married. No. Why should that be a problem? Either way, you're not going to go to to heaven as a married person. My concern is that you are in the right standing with God. If it is his plan for you to have a husband or a wife, you will have one. I don't need to offer special prayers for that. That's not my job. And if it is God's will, he will bless you with children. If he doesn't want to, I can pray until I'm blue in the face because I don't know what God's plans for you are. I absolutely agree with Paul the Apostle. When he says a single people, married people have so much on their minds, in as much as he he neither condemned nor commended it, either place, whether you're single or, or, or married, both of them are acceptable to God. Both situations are gifts from God. And indeed, I rejoice in my singleness because you know what? All I ever think about is God. I'm able to concentrate on 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 what I'm on on how I can please God rather than thinking how I can please my spouse. So I'm one of those people who's happily single because, quite honestly, it's I'm not distracted, which for me is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with a marriage. Marriages glorify God too when they are lived in according to, uh, in accordance with God's laws and God's guidance for marriage. Such marriages bring glory to the name of God, not a lot of what we see as marriage nowadays, which is just some kind of convenient arrangement. So you know, there's a problem. And why? where's all this problem in the church come from? It has come from apostates. And this is what Jude has been writing about in the same vein that Peter wrote about them. These people are in our midst. They are in the church. Satan threw them in the church. He raises them from within the church. Because even Paul the Apostle said, he said, he was saying it with tears in, in his goodbye to, to the Ephesian elders. He, was, he said with tears, he said, I know. That one after my departure, savage wolves will come and will not spare the flock. Even from amongst your numbers, men will rise up and oppose everything that I have taught you. Oppose the gospel of Christ. And this is exactly what we have today. So Jude says, we'll take it from verse 16 here. Jude writes, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by, our, by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. We've got them now, in, we've got them by the millions Absolutely lacking in the Holy Spirit, although they are always talking about the Holy Spirit, always talking about anointing. They are the ones who command the Holy Spirit, left, right, and center. Holy Ghost, fire. Holy Spirit, come down and do that. Do you know what? If you're truly a believer, if you're really a Christian, if you're a true Christian, because everybody says they're Christian nowadays, but how many of the, how many people are genuine? <laughs> if you're a Christian, then you should know that the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is not invoked. You don't summon him. He's not your servant, 
for a start. He is God. He is God the Spirit. You revere Him in the same manner as you revere God the Father and God the Son. So you don't order Him about and ask Him to come down when you're ready and invoke Him with songs and things. No. If you are a true Christian, you would know that He lives in you. And you will carry yourself in with every um, demeanor, every demeanor worthy of one who is called by the name of Christ. You will know that you don't have to shout out for him. You will know that he doesn't slap you all over the floor and throw you into com- uncontrollable conditions and situations of convulsions and animalistic sounds and all kinds of madness that people do and say they're under some anointing and they're they're under some spirit they're under some spirit all right but certainly not the holy spirit the holy spirit is a spirit of comportment he's a gentle spirit and he doesn't throw us all over the place back in like dogs and trying to scale walls with our bare hands and all kinds of weird things that go on nowadays there are many spirits in the world my people there are very many spirits in the world indeed a third of the angels in heaven was were thrown down to earth with satan they are spirits demonic spirits that's what they are and indeed they infiltrate the godless they infiltrate the false christian because if you do not have the holy spirit then there's room for as many Demonic spirits has desire to possess you and guide and, and lead you, mislead you, shall we say. So unless you've got the Holy Spirit, in which vein I do not believe, and I always say this very strongly, and I reaffirm it now that it is not possible if you are a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, God Jesus fills us with the you know, with the Holy Spirit. Once we come to Him in spirit and in truth, we are then inhabited as the Holy Spirit, as the temple of God, in whom God lives by His Spirit. There is no room in you for any demonic spirits. There is no room. Stop running around getting people to deliver you from things you you you, you don't have. As a believer you were not, you cannot be inhabited by but by demonic spirits, it's not possible. Because light and dark do not mix. Wherever there is darkness, once light comes, the darkness disappears. Is that not true, even in the physical world? And the Holy Spirit of God is light. So once he comes into me, whatever it was, spirits I had, I'm not arguing, I'm not doubting the fact that we all had all kinds of funny spirits in us. Spirits of anger, rage, lust, drunkenness, lasciviousness, gossip, jealousy, envy, they're all demonic spirits. They're all spirits, working in our minds, leading us to do evil. But once the Holy Spirit comes, he brings light. And we see clearly, he shows us the will of God. He shows us the word of God. He gives us the understanding of the word of God. And now we understand, we see ourselves the way God sees us. We see our sinfulness. We see the evil in us. And we crawl to Christ Jesus for repentance. And of course, we are filled by his Holy Spirit. Now we know. And now all we want to do is remain in the, in the cleanness that Christ has afforded us. Because he sanctifies us. We want to remain sanctified. And so we hate our past sins. And we hate sin. And that's what the Bible says. That you must hate even the garment that is stained with sin. So we're a different person now. This is what it means to be born again. Because now we see in ourselves what we couldn't see before. Now we see in the world what we couldn't see before. We look around and all we see is evil. We see the evil machinations of man. 
we see how we used to live. And we forsake all those things because now we know that we're a new creation. Now we know where, you know, the Holy Spirit is in us. He leads us. He guides us. He tells us right from wrong. And we obey him. That's the thing. Obedience. If you're not able to obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you will find that you once again throw yourself back into the arms of Satan. Because the Holy Spirit will not juggle for space within us. No, he won't. We can quench the Spirit in that we can... We can make him leave us. If we're not going to come out of sin and separate ourselves, the Bible says this is how we know. No one who is born of God continues to sin because the God's, God's seed remains in him. He simply cannot continue sinning. The Bible says this is how we know. This is First John chapter 3. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. So you see, you absolutely hate sin. We used to live this crazy life before. We used to live the nasty life before. But now things have changed. Things have changed. We all were like that. I mean, I'll take very quickly from Colossians chapter 3, from verse 5 there. Paul says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and fill the language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Are you there yet? Or do you still live in what is supposed to be history in your life? If you say you're a Christian, are you there yet? Are you able to say, I used to live in that way once, but now I live the life of Christ. I live in godliness. It's amazing. Because I've had Christians say to, you know, accuse other Christians of being holier than thou and, you know, being like the... um, Guy in the temple who was saying, no, the Pharisee was saying, oh, Father, I know I'm holy, I know I fast seven. No, 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 that's not it. I mean, last week I had a meeting in my house where somebody said to me, I've been coming from, I mean, he is a Christian, supposedly, goes to Bible study every week and all that. And he was arguing vehemently in this meeting that it is not possible for anyone to live as the Bible says. Oh, yeah? You see what I'm saying? We have a lifetime job. Of teaching people to live according to the Bible. That we should not, the church should not be distracted with other issues. You see exactly what I'm saying? There are Christians who see no need or no reason or don't see the possibility of meeting God's righteous requirements of us. And then we want to spend our time organizing social events instead. We need all the time we can because the days are short. We don't know how long each of us has. We cannot, I cannot be busy in in, in the church of Christ rather than teaching the word of God and teaching people to obey and live according to the word of God. Busy organizing single seminars and then a few of those singles die tomorrow and they still are, they're nowhere nearer to Christ because the church, they were in church, okay, but we're busy doing other things. We are, our paupers, those of us who lead uh, the group, we're not any better than anybody there, but we have the task. God calls certain people to certain um, gifts us in certain ways special ways to do certain jobs which is teaching 
and whatever it may be, well, be, be, be you uh, uh, evangelist or pastor or pastor teacher, it doesn't really matter. The purpose is the same. To bring God's people up in the word of God and the knowledge of Christ, to bring them to maturity. And that's what we have to do every day. People mature at different rates, different levels. So there is no time when we can conquer all that, that we have times to run businessmen seminars. That is not for the church. I insist on that. Because that is not what the church was established to do. Jesus didn't want a set of people, a set of elites, that he wants to separate himself so that they can, you know, conquer Satan, conquer the business world, and become all the presidents and kings and queens only, and, you know, become all the employers. No. No. God is not interested in any kind of restitution of this present world as we see it. He's separating a people unto himself. Jesus came to separate a people unto himself who will spend eternity with him. And how are we going to spend eternity? We begin by leaving it here in obedience and submission to God, to the will of God. Because every human was created to bring glory to God. Now, not many do it. Nobody does it by default. But this is where Christians differ. Because we then come and we start doing that, having been redeemed and forgiven for all our past sin and evil and foolishness within us, we now live our lives bringing glory to God. And living the life of, of, of Christianity, living as a Christian, believe me, is hard enough. It is not an easy thing. It is hard enough. And this is what the church is meant to do. Continue to teach it, continue to train people, continue to guide people, continue to exhort and encourage people, continue to comfort people in that way. Not concentrate, not, not digress into other things that the world is doing and the world has available. Marriage counselings and all that. Yeah, it's good for us to, to guide each other and all that and when people have problems to try and resolve it. But quite honestly, do you know what? I, I believe firmly that if both a husband and wife in any marriage are true Christians, faithful to the word of God, they will have no chaos in their marriages in the kind of way that we have them today. We've got, almost got more divorces than we've got marriages. If each person honored their marriage vows in honor of Christ, who is the head of the house, if, if Christ indeed is the head of your family, I don't see where the problem will come in. I don't see it at all. Because these problems in marriage come in in very many veins, but they are all veins that are related to the same issues of the world. And so if you don't give the devil a foothold, he won't have a stronghold in your home or in your marriage. We'll have less need for all this marriage counselings. You know, and a lot of it anyway doesn't get anywhere. People still end up di divorcing. Most of them still do. People walk into marriages they know are not right. An entire family left the church in which I minister. Why? Because uh, the oldest daughter chose to marry and went and chose to marry a Muslim person. And I said, this is not acceptable to Christ. Sorry, but, you know, but she went ahead and did what she wanted. And I said, I'm going to have to relieve you of your duties in the choir for a time because you've gone and brought the church of Christ in disrepute. It's a very long story. So they all got angry and decided to leave. Father, uh, mother, sister, brother, all of them walked off. I said, well, too bad. But if you're a Christian and you're not ready to honor Christ with your life, I'd rather not associate with you in that way because you are not faithful anyway. So Jude speaks about these people who have brought all the evil into the church. They are grumblers and, and complainers, it says. Yes, it is true. 
They cannot stand the counsel of Christ. They pretend to. They carry the Bible. They tell you they've got a special anointing from God. They tell you they've got servants. They tell you they're ministers of God. They're inundated with titles. They give themselves and have themselves given and everything. Tell you how fantastic they are. They're full of all kinds of um, qualifications in theology and all that. And all they ever complain about, they never. They never. Do they ever teach con- godliness with contentment? No, they don't. Their teachings is nothing but complaining and grumbling. Why should he be poor? Jesus wasn't poor. Why should he be sick? That's a curse. It's a sin. It's this. No. They mourn and mourn against Satan. They spend all their time on the pulpit where they should be bringing glory to God and glorifying God and speaking of Christ. And they spend all the time talking about Satan, who actually is their master. They spend all the time talking about spiritual things they know nothing about. Just talking about in empty words that have no meaning. Moaning and complaining. Why should he be poor? Why should he not have this? Why don't you own your own business? Why should he be unmarried? They bring out everything that is not supposed to even be, 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 be dealt with in the church of Christ. You know, why should he be childless? Why should? And so, you know, they bring all those things out. These are problems that plague the entire world, whether you're a believer or not. You don't have savings, you don't own land, you don't own houses. It is not right. As a, as a child of God, you're supposed to have all the kingdom wealth. You sup- That's all they do, moan and groan. Yet, what the Bible tells us, teaches us as believers, is godliness with contentment is great gain. That is where nowhere in any of the epistles do you have any of the apostles exhorting the people to go and build houses, to go and get better in their business, to go and make more money, to, you know, to rebuke and reject sickness. You don't have all that nonsense going on in the Bible. No. Because either way, whether you own hands, lands and houses or not, whether you have lots of money or you have none, the same fate awaits everybody. We are still going to get put six feet under the ground in the earth, and the earth is no respect to our persons. The worms will still eat at your body, whether you're rich or wealthy or poor. And really, it's where our souls end up that matters, because our souls return to the Maker, to our Maker. And this is all that Christianity is concerned about. Not so much your physical conditions in this world. God takes care of our physical conditions in this world. He's not blind to our needs. That's why Jesus said, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to you as well. Take it, Matthew chapter 6, read from verse 25 to 33. We are not told to worry about that. But these are the very things that apostates, false teachers, lead you to worry about and pray about and moan about and grumble about. That's all they do. The Bible says they walk according to their own lusts. that's what they want. Their ambitions is what the fob on you. What their desire, their evil desires is what they sell to you in the name of preaching. Flattering people to gain advantage. That's all they do. They tell you all those things and they tell you how you can get more out of God, how you can be millionaires, how you can have more money, more wealth, more everything. But of course, you cannot do all those things without a substantial financial investment. It's all to their own advantage. They talk to you about financial breakthroughs. They are the ones who break through into greater finances every time you gather in their midst. They talk about financial miracles. They receive a miracle every time they bring the flock congregation together, sowing seeds and bringing tithes and offerings. Yeah, they get the miracles. But do you? Because if you did, why are you still praying for more? See, greed. Bible says greed is idolatry. 
So we have a problem. Well, sorry, we haven't. We're not finishing Jude today, still. <laughs> but I mean, I would rather go deep into it than rush through it. You know, I expound scripture, not just read fleetingly through it. So we're still going to continue in this uh, uh, epistle of Jude. The next time, still talking about what the the mission and the purpose of the apostates in our midst, and we will do well to begin to pay attention to these things because you cannot find the kingdom of God in a false gathering. You cannot be led to Christ by a false shepherd. It is not possible. Until the next time, may the Lord richly bless you.